This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! Morning, Bob. What's going on on a Thursday? How are you? Hey, how you guys doing? I just just did a little bit of work here before uh, heading to Alabama tomorrow. Yeah, when do you guys? So you guys are leaving tomorrow. Um, that's a that's. Are you driving? It's a decent drive from Fayetteville to Tuscaloosa. No, we're actually flying to Birmingham. Um, they have a direct flight, kind of like they did with with uh, Baton Rouge. I don't know, maybe Arkansas officials talked to the airlines about it, but now we we got a. Decent airfare on a direct flight from XNA to Birmingham. So flying to Birmingham, obviously that's about a forty-five minute hour drive to uh, to Tuscaloosa, and then flying back. So yeah, direct flight's really nice. You don't have to go through Dallas or Atlanta or Charlotte or wherever the heck you know you might have to go through. That helps a lot. Certainly will. Well, travel safe, and uh, while you're there, hopefully see a hopefully see a good football game. You know, this this is one of those series. It's like you would see, and I guess maybe this would be the case for a lot of programs that have had a lengthy losing streak to a team. I'm sure, when you go back and look at Kentucky's streak against Georgia, which is longer than Arkansas's losing streak to Alabama, there are going to be some tight ball games in there here and there. Um, you know, it, it, while Sam Pittman's been the head coach, they're, they're 0-3 against them, but they, they've given Alabama a couple of good games. I... Uh, I hope that we see the same thing Saturday against an Alabama team that might might look like they're beginning to find their identity. Yeah, I mean, I know Alabama's, I think the last time I looked, they were about an 18.5-point favorite. Um, maybe, maybe they're a 21-point favorite, depending on on which uh, line you look at. But, yeah, obviously not, not many people, if any, are giving Arkansas a shot to win. I'm sure the Arkansas players and coaches feel like they can win, but and maybe some, some very diehard fans. But you just never know. I mean, college football's, can be a crazy sport, and I'm certainly not predicting Arkansas is going to go down there and win, but um, crazier things have happened, you know. Um, that's what Mike Irwin was talking about, tw- was tweeting about this earlier in the week, you know, longtime TV guy up here in Northwest Arkansas, that in 1992, of course, that was the year Arkansas lost to Citadel, and the very next week went to South Carolina and won 45-7. to and South Carolina obviously won the juggernaut, but you don't expect a team to lose to the Citadel at home. They, they go on the road and beat the SEC by 38 points. And then that year, the really signature win was uh, Barry Lenny's first start at quarterback, I believe it was. Arkansas went to Tennessee and beat the number four Vols on the last second field goal by Todd Wright. And uh, so, well, my, Mike's point was that you know, Arkansas is going to be, you know, they're going to beat Alabama again someday, and you're not going to see it coming. Nobody's going to expect it, just like nobody expected Arkansas to win at Tennessee. So, you know, every year there's, or really every week practically, there, you know, Arizona took USC to, was it triple overtime last week? Uh, we were listening to that game driving back from Oxford back to the Memphis area where we stayed. I mean, you just, you just never know, man. And, and so I think for Arkansas, they really have no pressure on them. Nobody expects them to win for the most part. So they can go down there and just kind of a free shot and just kind of let it all hang out, I think was the term Sam Pittman used, and just, just see what happens. Bob, how, how do you see this offense performing uh, in Tuscaloosa against this Alabama defense? It's going to be loud. We've kind of struggled with false start penalties and pre-snap penalties. Uh, it would be a good environment. Uh, do you think they're used to it? Do you think they're up to it? What do you see this offensive game plan being? Well, I do think the fact they play already played at LSU and at Ole Miss, so they're used to you know tough places to play, loud environments. Certainly, I don't think it gets any louder than Tiger Stadium on a on a, on a Saturday night. Maybe they'll get a little bit of a break playing a morning game. I know you know road coaches when your team's on the road, coaches like to play morning games because the crowd maybe isn't quite as revved up, and obviously. I mean, they'd have a good record no matter what time the game started. But he's twenty six and zero in these uh, games that start, you know, before noon. But um, you know, I, I think playing on the road should help them. Even though they lost to Ole Miss, maybe that game gives them a little bit of confidence. They're playing well defensively, and and Alabama's really good, but they're maybe not, you know, the number one, you know, team in the country. They're a very good team, and I'm sure I compare Arkansas to Tech. Texas went in there and won by ten. And uh, so I, I think Arkansas can go in there and give them a good game. 
the pre-snap penalties. They got to deal with the crowd. I think it helped us to get off to a good start. Um, obviously, you know, and maybe Alabama's overlooking them a little bit. You know, they seem to to ride the ship. They beat Arkansas 16 straight years, and I know one season doesn't lead into the next. Alabama, Arkansas went on there since 2003. I think you probably remember that game. Arkansas was down 31 to 10 guys with Matt uh, as at quarterback, a lot of other good players. Came back and won, I think, in double overtime, beat Joe Kimes. It was single overtime. Anyway, I was talking about it was double yeah. overtime, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, you never know, but, yeah, I think Arkansas, I think at some point the offense, I mean, I, I don't think Dan Enos is a bad coach. I think they've got some good players. I think at some point the offense is going to break out, and that doesn't mean they're going to gain 500 yards at Alabama, but I, I do think they, they can put a good game together. Maybe this is the week to do it. Obviously, it's not easy to do that at Alabama, but, you know, we know K.J. Jefferson's a good quarterback. We know Rocket Sayers is a good running back. I, I, you know, I don't think the the line has not played well, obviously, but I think, you know, they can play better. And obviously, you know, they got Ty Washington emerged as a weapon at tight end. You know, they've got some decent receivers. And so um, they're going to need to get some breaks. But, I mean, I don't think it's the impossible dream for Arkansas to give Alabama a game. I'll put it that way. I certainly expect Alabama to win, as probably does most, you know, 99% of, the, of everybody else. But I don't think Arkansas... I don't think it's like Arkansas is going to go in there and just lay down and get plastered. I think Arkansas can give them a game. Part of it, if they do, it comes down to a field position game because, you know, I mean, I would I would think, I would hope Alabama, you know, had Milrow had his best game of his career last week against A&M. Um, you know, that's the same with, uh, with Burton, the receiver that had nearly 200 yards worth of receiving. So, you know, that's, I felt the same way last week going into the Ole Miss game. Ole Miss won't play as good as they did the week before. They really got up for LSU. I think the same about Alabama. I think that, you know, they knew that was a battle for the division lead going on the road and against a program that, that, that has beaten some of those players before in Texas A&M. So I would, I would well, think there'd be a little regression here. Two years ago, I think the last time I looked, Alabama was fared by about a point and a half. You know, there's over 100,000, you know, Aggie fans there. I guess a few Alabama fans sprinkled in. But, yeah, that was a huge game for Alabama, and, and it, it would be natural for them to have a little bit of a letdown coming back home to play an opponent they've dominated. It's a morning kickoff. So I think there are some intangibles that let you think that Arkansas, I think Arkansas can give them a game. I think Arkansas are sick of losing. I think they have a lot of pride. and uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, I do think they'll give a really good effort. Your special you know what teams. happens, but I don't think Arkansas is going to go in there out by any stretch of the imagination. We're losing a little bit of your, your connection there, Bob, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll continue. Um, you know, that, that is one aspect of Alabama that I don't know if it's been, well, it probably has been talked about some. Uh, you know, you were on the teleconference the other day. One area where Alabama is really good is, uh, are the specialists. Didn't they, did they get a block against AM, Phil? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've got a block. Um, their field goal kicker, Reichert, is perfect this year. Uh, he may end up doing the punting. And you know that that's kind of in Saban's DNA is to play that field position game. So I think in a lot of cases, what's important for Arkansas, Look, you're going to have some drives that you start at your own 20. It's going to be tough to go 80 yards down the field. But you got to get a couple of first downs. If there's, Look, I'm not telling you you're going to play a 9-6 to six game or a 14-7 to seven game. But if you have a chance to win, it may have to stay in the 20s somehow. Field position is going to be part of that. Your, your punting game is going to be big in this one if you have a chance to win. Yeah, so you talk about Cam Little? Well, Cam Little too. Yeah, I mean, if you if you bring it if you bring it over the if you bring it close to the forty yard line, now you have a sense, you have a feel that uh, they'll let Cam they'll let Cam get a look. I mean, that's that's what I mean. If it's a field position 55. game, and also part of it, I think it kicked fifty six last that's, week. That's about his. That's what you're thinking. You feel confident with you know a fifty six yard field goal. That's yeah. yeah. You know, we, who knows? Maybe we learn the extent of his range this Saturday, Bob. Well, Sam said uh, on a Zoom with us yesterday that he hit a 58-yarder in practice. And so, um, you know, you don't want to try 58-yard field goals. But, you know, Cam said, he was on a Zoom, too, with us, that um, he tries to be very uh, honest with the coaches, you know, and tell them, you know, he kicks pregame and kind of figures out his range, and he wants to give them, like they say, can you hit, like, like, where do we have to get to for you to feel comfortable hitting the field goal? And he'll give them what he feels is, is a truthful answer. And an accurate answer because, you know, he doesn't want to try to be the hero and then he goes in there and misses, you know, 
a 58-yarder, and then that gives Alabama, whoever they're playing, good field position. And so, I mean, he said over he had like a 52 and a 50-yarder against A&M. Of course, that's in a controlled environment, playing indoors in, in the AT&T Stadium. But yeah, he's showing a big leg, and really goes back to, to preseason camp. Uh, Sam Pitt was talking about that. So, one that's a great that's a great weapon to have. If you, as you said, it turns into a field position game, and Max Fletcher's punted much better than last year. He's obviously had some bad kicks too. Um, and you know Alabama probably needs to be on alert for a fake, right? Because uh, two years ago, uh, Reed Bauer threw, threw a touchdown pass down there on a fake field goal, I think it was, and then Max Fletcher got a first down on a fake field goal. That was I don't know if Arch tried that. It would depend on the look they're getting and obviously circumstances of the game. But that's some Alabama, I'm sure, is practice. Is is you know poss- possible fakes? And that, that's just one more thing they got to spend time on because Arkansas has been successful with it. Well, when you when you kick a fifty eight yard field goal, and the, like you said, with the 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 field position change, you also have to field goal cover that. So I hope they they understand that because Alabama put somebody back there and and, and run it back on you, um, Bob. With with, uh, with Chris Paul having that injury uh, la- last week, is he playing this week? How how healthy are we on defense? Because I, I expect our defense if if we if we are to win this game, I think it's going to be a twenty seven twenty four type of victory. How how healthy is this defense? Well, you know, it's tough after six games. I don't expect uh, Chris Paul to play. I, you know, I have no inside information. I just know he didn't dress out when we were at practice Monday and Tuesday. And um, but I don't think he's going to play, and that's obviously a big loss. But they do have some decent depth there at linebacker. I think Antonio Greer would, would probably start for him, and Antonio's had, had some, some good plays. Yeah, I don't expect Paul to play. Um I do think Cam Ball will probably be back. I think uh, Nudie McLaughlin, who missed last week's game, he's been practicing, so I think he'll be back. Um, so, um, but Pooh Paul's a big loss, but I said yeah, I think Antonio Greer will probably start for him. He, he's had a pretty solid season playing playing as a reserve. I think he's a, he's a quality player to put in there. The Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa has everything you want for your next getaway. With the luxury and hospitality of a grand old southern hotel, the accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit our thermal water bathhouse for mineral water baths and massages or enjoy one of our many dining options, like our Friday night seafood buffet, primetime in a fountain room every Saturday night, or our award-winning Sunday brunch. Located in downtown Hot Springs, the Arlington is steps away from shopping, entertainment, bathhouse row, and the hiking and biking trails of the National Park. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. Alyssa Orange from Pig Trail Nation. You know, Alyssa, we are we are really good friends. You know why you know how I know that? How? Because I'm not gonna play the four home runs that the D-backs hit off of Lance Lynn last night for you on this very <sighs> show and this very segment. I would not do that to you, but we do have to talk about it. Is that okay? Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yes, I, I appreciate that. You know, uh, woke up this morning to Twitter being filled with videos of the D-backs jumping in the pool after the sweep. So, just tearing my heart out little by little. Well, I mean, you got to give that is kind of a cool celebration right there, though. You got to yeah. at least give them that. <laughs> it's very well, LA way. Have a pool. Right. Be a very Los Angeles way to celebrate. I guess it'd be a real Brewer, Arizona now way, the, too. The Brewers would be the best. You get to slide down the slide right there. That would be the way to go. There'd be a reason for the Brewers to win the World Series this year is to watch every last one of them do the Bernie Brewer, but it better be real beer that they're sliding into, Matt. you got to finish your beer before you get down the slide. You root for a while. Brewers aren't going to make it, though, so forget about that. So who do you root for now, Alyssa? Gosh, I don't know because, you know, my, the Orioles are out, too. So Because uh, I was going to jump on that bandwagon, but... Uh, not anymore. You know, I um, the the number three team on my list has always been the Braves. Growing up in Richmond with the Richmond Braves right down the street, watch Chipper Jones, Andrew Jones, some of those guys come through the farm system. So I've always liked the Braves because of that. So I guess I guess I'll go there next. Going to Atlanta. 
So um, did you have any inkling that something like this would happen, Uh, not just losing the series, but, uh, you know, pitching totally falling apart? Maybe you saw that coming, but the thing you wouldn't see was was the Dodgers' bats, the thing that really carried them through the season, just going totally silent. You know, I think... I think that I didn't see any of that, but there was also um, a level of just being terrified for the postseason because of the way that it ended last year in San Diego against the Padres and knowing that there wasn't much different from last year's team to this year's team. I felt like last year the Dodgers lacked that postseason spark. You know, they didn't have Kike Hernandez anymore and they didn't have Jock Peterson anymore and they weren't everyday players, but they brought you a spark in the postseason. Uh, and they brought back Kike a little bit towards the end of the year from uh, Boston. But I just didn't feel like that. that's the one thing this team doesn't have is that that spark plug in the postseason. Um, and I don't know where you find that. You had it and you traded it away and gave it away and you got to get it back. And I don't think they got it back this year. They're going to figure out how to do that next year. Alyssa, uh, I want to ask you about this this Arkansas Alabama game, and, and and there's been a lot of talk on the O line, uh, but but just as an offensive unit, what, what do they need to do to come together and, and give this this team a chance to win this game in Alabama, or you know, have a chance to win six games this year? Yeah, personally, uh, they just got to get this confidence back. Um, you know, I think with Brady Latham, a lot of it is mental, and so much of that game up front is mental, not getting called off sides and being focused and not distracted. Um, I think moving people back to where they are most comfortable with Bo Limmer back at center is going to be the best thing moving forward. They changed it up last week. It didn't work. They changed it back. Um, but then schematically, I mean, Sam Pittman's talked about it all, all week long. They've got to move the pocket. He is well aware that they cannot protect KJ for very long in the pocket with what they have right now. So they've got to move it and, and being able to execute things so that your offense can find some rhythm because what's happening now is you've got KJ whose whose confidence is a little um, shaken right now. I don't think he's going to say that out loud, but Sam Pittman says, yeah, I mean, you, you get stacked so many times, of course you're going to be um, playing a little bit different than you have been in the past in this run game not going. I mean, you can't find Rocket Sanders' name anywhere in the top 50 and rushing in the SEC right now. So something's got to give, and it starts up front, and it's it's a mental thing and an execution thing. I've, I've thought for a while now that this this is a team that may need the defense to go out and win them a game at some point. You know, whether they're well, able to thought- cause a few turnovers, you know, score defensively, set you up on a short field. Uh, you know, teams that struggle offensively need that kind of help. Defense has played well. They've given them the ball in good field position at times. They just, you know, they, uh, sooner or later, and maybe it's this weekend, I don't know. You know, the, the, the defense has to be able to to win them a game at some point. Gosh, everything that you said right there, they did against Texas A&M, and they still lost. Like, that's what's crazy, is they did score a defensive touchdown, and they did win the turnover battle, and they still lost those football games. And, you know, you go down to Ole Miss, and you have those defensive stands, down and down at the goal line and um you know you hold them to a field goal when they get the ball after that first kj kj jefferson interception so it's you know you could see it on their face walking on the sidelines at the end of that game on the defensive side they were tired and worn out and they they need help and they've got to continue to perform the way that they're performing but they need help from their offense to at least give them some kind of relief against all these sec opponents Alyssa, I, I like what I've, I've seen. I, I know I, I've read a little bit about Ty Washington, uh, about coaches saying how it was kind of close, just kind of buried on the depth chart. But I like what I've seen. He he gets out there and and he makes plays. Going back to last year in the bowl game, uh, when, when he got out there and scored a touchdown. Uh, is there anybody else on this roster that you could see maybe stepping up and maybe having a big offensive game this week? You know, it's all about opportunity. And I think that for Isaiah Satenia, it's just kind of been sitting there waiting to be taken. I mean, he had that punt return touchdown against BYU, um, but hasn't been super involved in the offensive schemes. And I know Sam Pittman has made comments of he just has to practice a little bit better, be more consistent in practice. And I understand that, but he is a weapon 
that I just don't think they've tapped into yet. And it's kind of like Ty Washington, where he just sat and waited his turn. And Sam Pittman said, I didn't care where the tight ends were on the depth chart. Whoever had the best practice last week was going to start, and that was Ty Washington. So can we take, you know, can we see Isaiah Satania find him a place somewhere on the offensive scheme, get out on the field? Because I really think that he is a talent that they just haven't utilized yet. We wondered about about certain positions and depth, uh, and I think on on the defensive side, it's it's shown to be a, a deep group, and it's going to be tested this weekend because it sounds like there's three or four important defensive players that aren't going to be traveling. Um, on the offensive side, you know your your depth has been tested at running back. Uh, I wonder, and it's being tested at tight end. I think a lot of folks just expected that it would be a deeper group on the offensive line. Like, you know, you, you shuffle guys around to see what works, but there haven't been changes in terms of who's playing too often. It's been Manuel or Chambly on the left side, and that's been more about Manuel's injury or inability to practice right now. But, you know, I, I think you would have liked to, you would have hoped that a Tykeus Crawford was ready to go and step into an important role like he did in the Liberty Bowl last year, or Marion Harris. You know, um, we never really knew much about Amori Wiggins yet, the transferred out of Juco, um, but he's not seen the field very much. That's just, you know, so much of the topic has, has been struggle on the offensive line, and you wonder, well, you'd think that the line would be a strong point in year four, and it has been for the first three years. But the depth hasn't necessarily been there, and I think that's part of the surprising aspect of it. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's been surprising, and it's also been disappointing from a developmental standpoint. I mean, we've been talking about Tyke Crawford and his potential since he got on campus, since they recruited him the first time in high school, and we just haven't seen it. You know, he didn't even travel to Ole Miss. You know, so what is what is not clicking with some of these guys from a depth perspective where you don't feel comfortable putting them out there? They're not ready yet, and... um that's a development thing, and that's that's what's maybe concerning is um, where has the development gone? What is taking it? Is it just, you know, missed, you know, calculations and evaluations with some of these guys or are just things different because we're playing different positions and we're moving them around? But, you know, you, you, you finally have to kind of take a step back and look and be like, well, what's going on? You, you recruited all these guys who were so highly on them. Like, where where are they? And um, that's one of the biggest questions that I had is why has it been so difficult to get Tykeese Crawford on the field? Because all I'm hearing right now is, you know, reasons why he's not playing. Alyssa, uh, I do want to ask you about your Florida State Seminoles. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I know the, the, the playoff committee is coming out soon. Uh, what, what is your top four right now uh, in college football? Ooh, ooh, that's tough. Um, there's a lot of good good football being played right now. Um, you know, I think you have to put Georgia in there. I think Georgia is a clear-cut uh, number one team right now. They're starting to click. Um, you know, Michigan is playing really good football right now. Uh, you can put Ohio State in there also. Um and then, you know, I think it's kind of a toss-up because you can't really ignore what the Pac-12 is doing right now as much as I love Florida State and they're undefeated. Uh, but Washington is playing really good football right now. USC is playing really good football, and so is Oregon. So, you know, it's going to be really, really tough. If I had to pick, let's go Georgia, Michigan, Washington, and I'm going to put my Seminoles in there because I'm biased. I, well, you better put your Seminoles in the ACC championship game, Alyssa, because it's going to come down to a tiebreaker. You're going to have a three-way tie. You're going to be you're going to be doing math uh, the Sunday after Thanksgiving, just you know figuring out this and that tiebreaker and everything. And um, I, you know, I, I don't know who will get there because we got another month and a half to worry about it. But could you imagine being left out of the championship? I know it's happened before, but being left out mm-hmm. with an undefeated record because of a tiebreaker and because the ACC is so darn unwieldy. Yeah, you know, that's tough. And I hope that it doesn't get there. And maybe that win at the beginning of the year over LSU will help them in the end. But we'll see. 
The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. We can't catch up with Ty Richardson, though. He is behind enemy lines. And uh, really, the only question that matters right now, Ty, is did you or did you not shave your head? Because the way you've been pulling this off is not working. we got to mix up the juju. And uh, unlike Matt Jones, I go on the road and fail. Matt, uh, in 2003, went on the road and got this thing done. So I need, I need some Matt Jones juju. From all those years ago, twenty years ago, Matt, last time that Arkansas actually won a game at Tuscaloosa. Man, there was a, there was a lot of good players on the field. Uh, you know, George Wilson, uh, Sean Andrews, Jason Peters. Man, there was a lot of a uh, lot of good talent uh, on that field. That's for sure. How about your your boy Dow Loggins catching that high snap and and Balcero still putting it down? I mean, people forget about that play. If he if he bobbles that snap, we're we're heading to another overtime. You know, Dow uh, has the best passing completion percentage of any Razorback quarterback in the history uh, of Arkansas football, and uh, he was—he's uh, a guy that showed up and and he did it. He did his job right, man. That was big time. He he had to make it. He had to do it again. Uh, Ty uh, uh, LSU when the miracle on Markham and that that one got pushed back a little bit. You know, you had a longer field goal that one too because that one was a longer longer extra point as well. That's a good point. You're, you're saying you need the Matt Jones juju, Ty. I mean, forget about what he did on the field. He doesn't have any hair either. Okay, so if you're going with that, if you're going in that direction, if you really want to go the Matt Jones juju and you think that can help, well, it's right there in front of you, my friend. You believe in your yeah. hair so much, but it's not leading to Razorback wins. You get, if you really want to shake something up, don't uh, do it, Ty. Yeah, shake up and shake up an eight ball, one of those magic eight balls. Ask it a question: Should I shave my head? And whatever it tells you to do, do it. Don't blame it on me. Blame it on the eight ball. Well, I mean, you think about the best broadcasters in our state: Bill Elson, Chuck Barrett, Randy. I mean, all those guys have something in common. So maybe, and maybe there is something to that. But I am scared. Matt told me it's like when he got his his hair shaved. I think it's a rookie. You were telling me that never grew back. That never grew back. Guys, <laughs> I'm not exactly. I wouldn't qualify myself as a great looking dude. The hair is kind of what I'm holding on to, and uh, if that goes, it's it's all downhill from here. All right. So where's where are you on the drive now, and uh, where were you when you left this morning? So I just got to Tuscaloosa, um, and again, we're behind me a lot of time. Got a roll tide yet? I'm waiting. How many? I, I'm, I'm Wait, what is it? Is like that a, is that a nine hour drive? Uh, it's, it's about eight from the River Valley, stopped in Memphis. Um, actually, funny enough, heard you talk about Tupelo, eight in Tupelo, Mississippi. Tanner, one of our listeners, recommended me a place that was fantastic. It was a Southern buffet that was phenomenal. I had chicken spaghetti, fried okra, mashed potatoes, chicken strips, uh, hamburger steak, cornbread. I mean, I am, guys, I haven't, I'm surprised I haven't fallen, didn't fall asleep getting to Tuscaloosa. Well, I'm glad you didn't, too. You realize chicken spaghetti, I mean, you could just throw chicken into mac and cheese. In some cases, it's the same thing. I'll still never understand your your disavowal of I mac don't and either, cheese. Man. Yeah. So what, what, there uh, was where, mac and cheese there, Phil, and I ignored it. I just, I can't, I can't do it for whatever reason. It's that watered-down cheese they use, right? Like, you, you, you don't want that. you got to have some real cheese, some real milk. you got to be some real uh, mac and cheese. you got to go with the craft direction at least first. Like, and we can all admit <laughs> that even if you want to make fun of it at 99 cents a box, it's still, it still bangs. It's still really fair, good. Fair enough. It should change Ty's mind. Where are you going tomorrow? That's the more important thing because I know you're not doing a show. You're, I mean, if you're if Ty Richardson's on the road, he's finding a way to get a free breakfast by doing a radio show there. So 
Well, we're either going to, it's down to three spots. It's either going to be this place called Brick and Spoon, Tea Town Cafe, and there's one more, uh, Wayside, I think it's the other one. So I haven't fully figured that out yet. Um, to this You've been to Tuscaloosa time, for a game yet, or is this, or is this your first time? First time. This is a. This is going to be an experience. I'm. I'm excited for this weekend. You know, one of the things that I, I two years ago, and, and and we were there for the game. I didn't realize this until just wanted to walk around a little bit. If you get a chance, Ty, you get a, You got to take a look at. You probably can't get inside, but you might be able to walk by the visitors' locker room near the entrance to the field at the tunnel. Is called the fail room. Because it was donated by the money that was donated for the locker room for the visitors' locker room was was donated by a gentleman whose last name is Fail F A I L. Uh, they don't do what is it? Does Iowa have uh, the opponent dress in a pink locker room or something? It's stupid. But the Fail room, <laughs> I mean, they get the revert. They got the psychology working as soon as you walk in the locker room, man. Golly, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that you've. Not won a single game against Nick Saban while he's been in Tuscaloosa. I mean, everything about that experience is is awful. Seems like when you go down to Brian Denny Stadium, but I, Tommy made a I thought a solid point this morning that he, he wasn't insinuating it was going to happen this year. But Arkansas is going to win this game when no one expects it to happen. And I mean, you think about some great teams that Arkansas has trotted out on the field against Alabama that have come up just short. Maybe is this? Uh, maybe I'm, I'm looking at this positive, like glass half full. But maybe this is the team that needs it because Alabama's looking ahead to next week. They don't care about Arkansas. They just got an emotional win last week. They don't care one thing, one bit about the team that's walking on Saturday, homecoming or not. They're looking ahead to next week to get revenge on Tennessee. Ty, when I look at this offense and uh, a guy, Ty Washington, who uh, had a big game, he's been making flashes over the screen every time he gets an opportunity. Do you? Who, who else do you think could be a breakout star this game, or who who could who could get some of those explosive plays this game? I, it's so crazy how the tight end has changed, man. I mean, think about who you were throwing to back in the day, Jason Peters, his body type, but now look at Ty Washington, who's just kind of a bigger, thicker receiver. Played a little bit of that in high school. I mean. Uh, we saw some some flashes from Rashad Dabinion two games ago that you really liked at this point. One as much as an impact this last game. He's always a guy, as a young sophomore, that can break out. Don't know about Jalen Braxton's status. He well, was walking up to the locker room in Oxford. I mean, he's a young player, just that you would say him, but don't know if he's going to play or not at this game at this point in time. Maybe it's a maybe it's an incomer like Tesla who's kind of disappeared the first first couple SEC games and. I, I wouldn't necessarily classify him as an underclassman, but you look at just kind of what he could be for KJ Jefferson as someone that he can be relying on throwing the football. Maybe he's a guy that can break out if he can get off some some press coverage, which he's going to see on Saturday. I'd like to see a hundred yard rusher. I, I know it's just a little thing, uh, and it doesn't mean you're going to win. But man, uh, how long is it going to be in, until uh, we get this ground game going? Matt, I'm I'm with you, man. And the the thing about this this unit is, at some point, I have to think at some point, like Chuck's been saying this week, they're going to put it together for one game. And you say, well, it's not going to be on Alabama because of that front, because of those linebackers in secondary. And there's probably some truth to that. But I mean, if if they even get a little bit of help, they haven't gotten any help from the ground game, and that helps the offense and Dan Enos and KJ and the Western Waters here so much more in the passing game. And last two years, I mean, not in the first half last year, but Arkansas found success in the ground against these guys last year. Two years ago, it was through the air with Burks, which you'd love to have on this year's team. I just, it, it opens up this offense if they somehow figure it out, maybe not, to, maybe not on Saturday, but at some point this season. Forget about all that, Ty. Forget about the idea of you got to improve in this area or that area or anything like that. Here's where they really need help from. They need help from the referees. And that they, you know, every <laughs> visiting team that goes into Tuscaloosa can always count on help from the referees, can't they? Yeah, uh, man. I I get so frustrated. The, the first year that you played Nick Saban, 2007, there was just an absolute atrocious pass interference call called on like a third and six or third and eight at the tail end of that ball game. And I lost my mind. I mean, you can't, you can't ever see you get a call there in Tuscaloosa. But 
like you said, Arkansas. I honestly, guys, and I know they had ten penalties last week. You got help in Oxford. I mean, there was a missed face mask call. There was a late hit out of bounds. There were several things that I was just like, man, Arkansas got away with one there. I don't, I don't know if we're going to see it back to back weeks, especially in uh, in Tuscaloosa, Phil. Yeah, I, I obviously you could you could hear this the sarcasm dripping from my voice there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't expect it anytime, anytime you go in there, and then. Um, and then you come home finally, you know. Finally, you get to come home. And I'm not, you know, we're talking about the football team. We're talking about you too, man, because you've been traveling for this whole time as well. Um, you know, it's fi- it's finally near the end of this of this gauntlet stretch. Uh, we knew it would be incredibly difficult. I think a lot of folks expected the program would go zero and four on this four game stretch, but they also thought they would go into the stretch three and zero. Uh, and, and this, you know, now you're past the halfway point. Now it's, now it's like the, the pressure really does start to sit on you. Like there, there's different kinds of pressure in college football. You got pressure, uh, you know, when you have certain sort of expectations to reach those expectations sooner or later, that pressure builds to, we got to find a way to six. We got to find a way to a bowl game. Um, you know, you try not to look at it in that perspective, but I have a feeling it's a little difficult not to sometimes. Yeah, I mean, Phil, I know coaches say all the time, you got to take it one game at a time, you got to do this, do that. And there's there's truth, they're trying to preach that to their players, but guys are on social media, guys are hearing what people say, and when, even in the offseason, we were talking about, man, this is the toughest stretch in college football. That's what Phil still, he ranked it. There was no tougher four games that any team in college football had to play against, and like you're saying, you finally get out of it after this week, and you play just a crummy Mississippi State team back in Fayetteville. It stinks that it's 11 a.m., but it is a game that you should win because you're at home, and that's why you have the advantage in that situation. Just to get back to Fayetteville after the stretch, like you're saying, Phil, it's instrumental for this. They've got to, again, get back home, and they're finally going to get to. And and the good thing is they're also getting home at a decent hour. Last week they got home at 3 a.m. This week they'll get home, and the game will probably end about 2.30. They'll probably pack up by 4 and they'll be back home, I'd guess, by 6 o'clock by dinner time on Saturday night. So that's a lot better than, again, the setup that you were in Oxford this past weekend. Well, here's what you got to do the rest of the day, okay? This is the rest of your day. Uh, or really, whenever you're done right now and you go you go check in wherever you're staying. Uh, Sally Beauty Supply, Ty. I don't know if you've ever walked into one of those stores before. Um, they have uh, all, the, all the things you would need to take all that hair off and not nick your cute little skull up at all. Um, that'll be the place... Uh, where you find a really good deal on a pair of clippers to take the hair down. You'll get a good razor uh, and the right kind of oil to uh, shave that head and no nicks. And I uh, can't wait to see what you look like when I see you at the stadium on Saturday, okay? All right. I will uh, I will at least contemplate it. I'm not going to sit here and tell you all that it's full out, but I'm all in on that. But I will at least contemplate the idea of shaving my head. Sounds good. Even when in Tuscaloosa. Sounds good. That's Ty Richardson. You know what I heard in that answer there, Matt Jones? So you're saying there's a chance. I think there might be a little chance he's thinking about it. You know, if uh, if if we can get to six, I might shave my head as well. You know, maybe if uh, we can. No, it doesn't, it no. doesn't hold the same, does it? Get yeah. you to shave your face. Oh, That'd absolutely That'd be a different not. story. Yeah. A whole different story. Might need Sally Beauty Supply on steroids for that. Passion is something that exists. And all of us. I know we got a lot of passionate hog fans listening right now. And I know that all of you love football season. Dave Bushkill and his team over at Eastside Liquor are the exact same way. They can take care of all your tailgating and party needs, whether it's just a few beers or alcohol in bulk. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith to check off every item on your list. Eastside Liquor, your number one stop for Arkansas football this season. Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. 
Brett Dolan, Touchdown Radio, and of course covering Arkansas athletics as well, and uh, perfect game and all sorts of things. Brett, uh, while he's been on Touchdown Radio, has been has called football games in Bloomington, Indiana, in uh, Miami, Oxford, in Happy Valley, in Pennsylvania, State College, Auburn. Last week, he had the Tigers and the Tigers with LSU and Mizzou. Uh, looks like that is uh, that's that's the most points you've seen in a game this year, Brett. So, of course, you follow it up with Iowa and Wisconsin. <laughs> there is some symmetry there. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, we had five lead changes in the second half, back and forth, a lot of points, a lot of offense, even exceeded the over. And now we, we get two teams where I think the over-under is something in the neighborhood of, I don't know, 35. So uh, uh, you're right. We won't see or shouldn't see uh, much this, after, uh, this Saturday in Camp Randall. What did you think of the Mizzou offense? You know, because I know they've had as Cody Schrader uh, has had a, a great season so far, but they look—they're incredibly dangerous in the air. Luther Burden leads the nation in receiving yards. Schrader's one of the better running backs in the country. Brady Cook barely ever throws interceptions, though he did throw one against LSU in the loss. Uh, but they're a much more dangerous offensive team than than I think they've been in a long time. No, agreed. I really like their quarterback. You know, he threw the interception, then ended the streak in the first half. Then he threw one late for a pick six when the game was all but over. He was underthrown, wasn't a good ball, but uh, you know, he's got a couple of good receivers. The, the, the running back doesn't you know, have the, the dynamic qualities that other guys do coming from D2, but it's, it's a good offense, and, and they should have won that game. I mean, they, they let them and slip away, although Jaden Daniels was by far the best player on the field, and, and i got to believe he's a Heisman candidate no matter what happens with, with LSU going forward. But it, it's a pretty fun offense to watch, and you know when they were up 22-7, in the first half, I, I certainly thought it was their game to lose, and they had multiple leads even in the second half and fourth quarter. But uh, but let it slip away, and you know, I mean, that's that's the next step for programs like Mizzou. How do you finish? How do you win games that that you should win and go to six and zero rather than five and one? Yeah, the theater of college football. I just absolutely love it. Uh, did you get to check that Oklahoma Texas game out last week? I did, but not to the level I wanted to with, with the chaos we had. But, uh, you know, Matt, you've been talking about Oklahoma for a couple of weeks, and, and I'll give you your due because, you know, they found a way to get it done, and they jumped way up in the in the rankings. And I guess, you know, for winning that game, they'll get to wear the home uniforms when they meet again. <laughs> it's kind of what uh, what you gain from that. But, uh, wow, that was, that was a nice win for the Sooners, to say the least. Feels like a foregone conclusion that those will be the two teams standing when the Big 12 uh, season finishes. You see anybody on the schedules, either of those teams that can find a way to pull off an upset and force someone else into that title game? You know, I just don't know. It seems like every week we kind of shift a little bit on who's going to be in, in this game or that game. I mean, as far as the Big 12, I don't see anybody outside of Texas and Oklahoma. And then, of course, the question is, is this still going to be enough? Will the Pac-10 kind of knock themselves out of competition? Does the Big 10 East have one representative out of the three. And, uh, you know, we're kind of getting to that time of the year where maybe nothing is truly shocking or surprising as far as upsets, but we still find games every week that catches a little bit off guard and we kind of overreact to back and forth each and every week. But uh, this is why we love it, and this is why we love, you know, October slash November football. So let me give you you three teams out of the Big Ten East. Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. Yes, you've seen... Uh, all of them but Michigan. I know you will see Michigan. You've got them at Michigan State in a couple of weeks, and anything happens in that series. Which which of which of those three teams could you see falling in an upset? Not the best of those teams. I think Michigan is the best of those teams, but I, I think Ohio State could be ripe for an upset at some point. Well, I've got Michigan at Maryland on November 18th or 19th. It's the week before they play Ohio State. So that would be kind of the definition of a possible trap game. And they have to go to Maryland where, where they're fairly dangerous. I mean, Maryland for a half looked like they were for real against Ohio State until the Buckeyes kind of flexed their muscle. That's the game I'm looking at, and I'll be happy to be there and, and be on hand for the call. Um, I, I think you're right. I think Michigan's probably better than the other three. The question is... You know, again, how how they look against each other, how Ohio State looks against Michigan, that's not been a, a recipe for success in the last couple of years. And I guarantee you, Ryan Day feels that pressure 364 days out of the year, not being able to defeat Michigan. But, 
you know, I, we always like to say things will, will take care of themselves. You know, one team will emerge in the Big Ten or one team will emerge in the Pac-12. I, I just don't know, Phil, if this will be the year where we legitimately have four teams that deserve to be in or a fifth. Normally, we spend all the time arguing about who's going to be the fourth team in instead of the fifth team, and they get throttled, and then we move on. Uh, this has a little different feel to me, and, and, and obviously I understand that you know, we'll see the Ohio States and Michigans and the Marylands and Michigans, and, and there will be losses that come out of that. It's hard for me to kind of predict what, what that will look like, though, and I don't usually root for chaos, and I'm kind of a believer in four teams over 12, but this might be the year where we really have – some nonsense going on and, and some uh, some bizarre ranking issues when we get to late November. Brett, it, how good is this Iowa defense? I, I know they hang their hat on that. Are they a SEC caliber defense? Kind of what makes them tick? I don't think they are, Matt, and this is probably the unique discussion because I know SEC people will kind of turn up their, their nose at some of the big ten. It is a bend but don't break defense. It is a uh, can we force you to make a mistake on your ninth play of the drive and turn the ball over? Can we play two deep safeties that will get a deflection and a pickoff? Can we score on defense? Can we get a pick six? Um, so it doesn't look like the SEC defenses that are loaded with four and five stars, the guys that we know we're going to see in the NFL. Having said that, Iowa cranks out two or three NFL players every year, and usually they're defensive uh, players. But it is, it is different, and it's very much a defense that's built for November when it's cold and rainy and you can't pass for two quarters. It, you know, can you get a lead? Can you, can you manage the game defensively? Can you get a pick six? So it, it has a much different feel, but it does almost admittedly kind of work in the Big Ten. It probably would not work, I don't think, at least week in and week out in the SEC. They have to be the only team that's not a service academy to win a game without completing a pass to a wide receiver in like decades. I mean, how do you, they beat Purdue last week, 20 to 14, six completed passes, five to a tight end, one to a running back. I mean, this is, this is, this is 2023, right, Brett? Well, it is. Now they had one pass that went through a receiver's hands and ended up being intercepted. They used their tight ends. They flex them out almost as, as wide receivers. Quite honestly, they probably should have won that game closer to 30-7. to seven. They got a first and goal at the five, settled for a field goal, first and goal at the three, settled for a field goal. They win in the margins, too. And by winning in the margins, I mean when you, you can't score seven, you score three. Well, they had a field goal partially blocked. They had a field goal they missed that would have put the game away. And, and you know, it's not sexy. It's not exciting, I don't think. But I'd rather win ugly and win nine or ten games than be entertained with a six and six team at the end of the year. And again, you gotta kinda lean in on what you have. You don't have an overwhelming talent level. You've you've got players that you develop and, and, and try and get better. But you know, if you win nine or ten games every year with, with that talent, it's a pretty amazing coaching job. But yeah, you know, it does. It doesn't look right when you don't have wide receivers. You have a backup quarterback filling in for Cade McNamara who was hurt that completed six passes last week. So <laughs> it's 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 seemingly hard to win, but I know they find ways. And the crazy part is, they, this Wisconsin game this weekend is probably for the Big Ten West. It's the last year of divisions in the Big Ten, so for whatever that's worth. Sometimes I feel like when you win the Big Ten West, then you have to wish that you didn't have to play another game against Ohio State or Michigan or, or Penn State. But, uh, you know, when you line up in that division, the best you can do is win your division. So if Wisconsin wins or Iowa wins this weekend, they'll have certainly a leg up. And it wouldn't shock me at all if it was another 13-10 type game. And maybe the biggest one of the week, uh, a former SEC guy and Bo Nix uh, taking Oregon into to Washington. And, and adversely, that's going to be a shootout. Both those teams can put up 40 uh, how, how do you see that one going? You see the home team uh, holding serve? You know, I, I'd probably lean over to Knicks over the Penix, but that's the game, Matt. You're right. That's the game that I'm interested in, in watching this weekend whenever I can get to a television. It, it's it's too bad that, again, we're talking about the demise of the Pac-12 because this is entertaining, and uh, these are two really good teams. I don't know quite how they would stack up against maybe a Georgia or even Oklahoma but uh, they're deserving this year for a seat at the table, which has not always been the case. I would probably lean uh, Oregon and, and uh, 
Bo Nix, but my goodness, they have a lot of weapons for Washington. We don't get to see them every week. We don't get to camp in front of the TV like we would Alabama or Georgia. Um, but, but there's a lot of players on those teams that, uh, that'll play on Sundays and, and they should make for a wildly entertaining game. And on a, on a baseball thought, um, you know, the talk has been about the, 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 the sitting around that the Orioles had to do and that the Dodgers did, but they earned that ability to sit around by having great regular seasons. I don't know if that's the reason why they, they, they played so poorly or really pitched so poorly more than anything else uh, in the, the series that they played. Um, the, the more you expand the baseball playoffs, Brett, the farther it gets away from you know, really what the regular season was supposed to be about and the postseason feels much different than the regular season in terms of days off and structure of the series and, and all of that. Does the, does the postseason need any more tweaking or, or maybe the way that I look at it? Please stop tweaking it because then it's going to get a little bit weirder and we don't need that. Well, it's weird now. I, you know, I was having some debates on social media with fans about Baltimore or L.A. or Atlanta being the elite, and they keep saying, well, they're, they're losing all of their postseason games. But you and I are traditionalists enough to know that if somebody wins 100 games over a five- or six-month season, they've earned that opportunity. But a bye doesn't seem to be beneficial anymore. Quite, quite the contrary. Houston seems to be the only team that can emerge for whatever reason, through this buy issue. And then if you do, if you survive, then all of your competition, Baltimore lost. They were supposed to have home field advantage. Now you get it. Atlanta's potentially losing. Dodgers have lost. And it just gets easier as it gets deeper. I, I don't have the answers, and I would love it if somebody did. But this current format in its, in its form is not doing the team, the best teams any uh, help, and it's not providing any assistance. And then when we get a... Uh, a World Series where the TV rankings or ratings are a little bit low because we don't have a, a Dodger team or an Atlanta team. You know, you know I'm, I'm waiting for the cries to come out from everybody. I, 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 do you have an answer, Phil? Because nope. whatever it is, it's, th- th- this current setup is, is just taking the best teams and just throwing them into the trash can. I kind of liked it when it was four. Four teams that got in, <laughs> two too. series each side, leave it at that. It was easier, wasn't it? Simpler? Yeah. Yeah, it was, but life isn't simple. I'm sure Rob Manfred has a has a great solution to it because he's got a great solution to everything. Brett, we'll leave it there. More more teams is not the answer, but no. uh, it, it, it's a shame. These teams have had their season end in two or three days when they were the best over six months. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.